Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Attacking Third, brought to you by the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card. Reward your passions and earn points when you stay close to the actions. Ladies, it has been a busy weekend in women's soccer. Lisa Carlin, Jordan Angeli, Darian Jenkins, and Jenny Chu here for you. I need your guys' immediate reactions on the news that Emma Hayes was becoming the U.S. Women's National Team manager, reportedly. We'll clarify reportedly, but what was your initial reaction, Darian? I'm ecstatic. What? You know, we've talked about this so many times of who's going to be the coach? Oh, here's what we're going to do. I did not have an inkling that it was going to be Emma Hayes. I mean, still up in the air, but I'm ecstatic. I think she will excel at this position. I know it's her first time in an international job um, at, with a full national team, but I think she's up for the challenge. She's a decorated winner. She knows the pressure of what it's like to repeat big tournaments and big wins, and I think the U.S. has been struggling with that for a long time to kind of maintain that same level. So I think she's up for the challenge. I'm excited about it. I did not see this one coming, by the way. I, did I was working scoreline when the news came out, and I said, excuse me, what? Um, we were texting in the group message, and I was like, is this real life? Yeah. Lisa, what I was your first reaction? I was shocked, honestly. The fact that she said, hey, at the end of this Chelsea season, and then Chelsea came out with the announcement after their dominant 6-0 performance over Aston Villa and said, hey, she's going to be leaving us at the end of this season. That's more so what shocked me, and then, Obviously, moments later, it was reportedly, hey, she will take the U.S. job because she wasn't on our, our radar as one of the big three to take over right. this role. I, I believe, like, as in August, when Black Lenanovsky had parted ways with the U.S., her name was thrown out there. We talked about it on the show. This would be a great grab. Is it ever going to happen? She doesn't have international experience. But now that the reports are in and, and we've had time to digest it, I like this move a lot for her as a personal and as a professional with her career and for the United States and what she can do there. Mm -hmm. Didn't you feel like that last report, though? I'm not saying that they, the, the Athletic reported falsely. It felt like they were given information that they were given in a way that they were like, oh, we're just going to protect what we actually want. Mm -hmm. If it is Emma Hayes, I don't know. It felt like a... Um, it's like, look, this... It was like a, a yeah, little shake and bake. Yeah, like a smoke and mirrors <laughs> thing. Because, uh, you know, when I looked at that list of, of candidates, I... You know, I think this, the hard thing for me right now in women's football is there are very few coaches in general who excite me. Mm -hmm. There are very few. And I, I do think out of all of them, Emma Hayes is the most exciting. Yeah. 
But I have big questions about bringing another club coach into the role of a national team coach because a lot of the same things were said for Vlako Ivanovsky before he took over. Really good as a player manager. Mm-hmm. He was really understanding with some of the players that he, he worked with. High praise from Megan Rapino, some of these players on the women's national team who wanted him to be the next coach. And then it wasn't transferable. And so I want this team to succeed. I hope that if it is with Emma Hayes, they do succeed. And I, I don't ever want anyone to fail at this job. But it's a big job. I think she, I think the shoe fits. I think that she's not afraid to hurt your feelings. You mm-hmm. see clips of her talking to Chelsea, the players in the locker room. She's not worried about being your friend. And I think the U.S. has been missing that, where you know what? It's how you show up. It's how you're performing at club. Are you good enough? Are you in form? That's when you're going to play. And she's not afraid to say that or do it. And I think that with this U.S. job, there's always been that kind of looming. I think the players have had a lot more of a say on uh, if they're mm-hmm. happy with the coach or who's playing it's and whatnot with yeah. like some big names. She is used to coaching She's, big names. Exactly. She, can she has that. been doing it. And she, she is cutthroat because yeah. when she took over at Chelsea in 2012, she had a 22-player roster. By 2013, there was only 11 of those players yet left. By 2014, seven more had gone. So she was very comfortable changing over a roster, finding mm-hmm. players, Which is getting the them into a club. That we're in. Exactly. Yep. Finding younger players and developing them. You, yep. you look at some of the players that she's been able to do that with. Millie Bright, when she first started at Chelsea, was a fraction of the player she is now and now she's a superstar leading her country there are a lot of big personalities as well she's dealt with so she can play both sides of that card and we're seeing lauren james in real time be Mm -hmm. one of those young players and this is important when you're talking about u.s women's national team is it is not just the players that are there it is how do we take this next group of talent and make sure that they are successful i think the biggest thing when i look at chelsea's squads is the diversity of players from australia sweden Norway, France, Denmark, Germany, Canada, U.S., that you can take all of those players that have very different ways of seeing football Mm -hmm. and get them to all play cohesively. I think that that needs that. that, I know that we're all American here if you're playing for the U.S. team, but everybody's coming in with different backgrounds and Mm -hmm. to have a little bit of that flavor and knowledge of the world game and to bring it here. I think that is that interests me a lot. Mm -hmm. 100 percent. But you mentioned Lauren James there, Darian. I want to talk to you about, excuse me, the article that Emma Hayes wrote herself in August about where the U.S. women's national team was. back in August, and she said, it's not about this group of players, it's about the whole structure. The realities are it's going to be very, very difficult for the United States to climb back to the top. Sometimes you have to fail um, to then see change for the better. I thought that she had a very clear idea of her opinion of the United States and where it needs to go, and now she's at the charge of the helm there. What did you think about that essay? I loved it. She also had another quote where she's talking about We've been very critical on the development in the U.S. and the youth system, and she was spot on about it. She had this very similar sentiments and even talked about how most of the players play in the NWSL, and she was saying, or go through the U.S. collegiate system. It's not keeping up anymore. That is evident with our youth national teams, with our senior national team. And she talked about players going to other countries to play because, this is the quote, it adds diversity to their individual games, it challenges them as players, and it improves them in different ways. I know I grew the most when I played overseas. It was challenging, it was difficult. I went from starting every game in the NWSL to not playing that much overseas. And it's humbling, but you have to diversify your game. You have to be more creative. And I think that 
that's what she's hitting on, and we've, we've spoken about a lot, is there needs to be a little bit more creativity. Mm-hmm. We're so one-dimensional. And you watch Chelsea play, you don't know who's going to score. Yeah. And if someone's going to score, yep. you, it could be anybody. <laughs> so I think she's going to bring another layer and make this U.S. Women's National Team more multidimensional. And I think I think the shoe fits. It's well, I work. think that when you talk the about uh, Mia Fischel, we just talked about her on Friday, I believe, mm-hmm. and the fact that she paved her own way. Jordan, you were saying that, you know, she found her own way playing in different leagues, playing in Mexico, for one example. And that different, um, I guess, life experience that that brings, along with your career kind of growing in a different way. It's not just the teams that you're playing on and your league play, whether it's in Mexico or in the WSL. But Mm -hmm. think of, with Chelsea, the competition. They're playing in Champions League. They're playing in FA Cups. They're playing in all these different competitions. So you're playing with players and against different oppositions that provide various different challenges that as a player, and Emma Hayes has proven this as a manager, she has to adjust, whether it's playing a bit more defensive, switching to a three-back versus a four-back, or allowing players a lot more freedom and and creativity in the front, or maybe reining that in a little bit and saying we need to play more defensively throughout this match because we aren't going to beat Barcelona in this Champions League match. So having that adjustments in her back pocket and being able to teach players how and when to adjust to do that is incredibly evident throughout her career. Oh, this it is, is massive. a massive step, though. A gigantic step. Yeah. I and I am, like, I don't know. I don't think I'm excited as excited as you are. I'm excited that this is the best of the candidates, I believe. Yeah. But I, it's a huge step. Where this are your is, question marks? I don't know. I don't know what this is going to look like yeah. going from a club team to a, a, You think a, it's just the time that she has with the, the players? Well, let's has. talk about this. Let, let's go ahead and get into this. So WSL season ends uh, May 18th. The Champions League, say they make it to the final, is May 25th. The Olympics are July 25th. So she has said that she's going to see out the remainder of the season with Chelsea. So if that's the first chance that she gets, she gets that window in May, at the end of May, mm-hmm. but, with the national team. And then she has June and July. Sorry. But Backyield has <laughs> reported that she would be a Available yeah. for international breaks. Yeah. So she would but come. That, that is that is reported. It's happened before. I know Mark Parsons did it when he was a coach of the Netherlands. So it is she would still be available during those breaks. And, but that's, that's what's been reported. And this is all reports right now. We right. there's no right. she's not the head coach. Uh, we don't know what it's going to look like, but that is what is but, being reported. But that's only two international windows. Yeah, yeah I think quick. that's alarming regardless. Which is incredibly quick because you'll have the one in May and then again in July, the 8th through the 16th is another window. And then as Jenny mentioned, the Olympics come July 25th and that is very fast. And she also is still trying to succeed at Chelsea. Yeah. I, I would say it would be, uh, I think it would be bad of her to say, no, I'm going to focus solely on this after mm-hmm. she says, I'll finish this out. And the one thing she doesn't have on her resume from being at Chelsea is a Champions League title. Yeah. You know what? This leads me, because Darian, I, I'm also equally excited. I, I think that this, like you mentioned there, she is the best candidate. So this is what I have to ask you here. The Olympics, is it worth kind of just scrapping this Olympics to have Emma Hayes in charge for the future of this national team? I don't think it's scrapping it, but I do understand the U.S. is in a rebuild phase and we've all spoken about it. I think she's higher, uh, hyper aware of it as well. She spoke about it in the, uh, wrote about it in the, art, the article of the Telegraph. So I think she's not afraid to try some new things. And whether that's, you know, going to win them the Olympics, I don't know. I think it's going to take a lot more time for us to catch up into the international level of what it is right now. But I do think it'll be a good time, a really big test for her. And she's not afraid to try something new. And that's all that we can ask for. I don't think any coach is going to come in and flip this team around by the Olympics and 
Mm -hmm. it be the yeah. best squad that we could possibly right. ever imagine yeah. to win it. It's going to so, be interesting to see what the players' opinions are here yeah. and what their take is on this. But I think that the points that you guys all got at are really important. The fact that she's willing to shake things up. And mm -hmm. it feels like it's time for this U.S. women's national team to be shooken up a bit. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the NWSL, who announced their best 11 today and their second best 11. Let's take a look at there, because I know some of you guys think there's people that don't belong on here, as well as some snubs. Jordan, take us through uh, what you think of this best 11. Well, I just have never played in a team that has four center backs <laughs> playing across the back line. I, I, I just feel like it's a disservice to players that have played really, really good seasons. And, yeah. you know, I, I think all four of those players have had a good year. And you're, mind you, you're voting on this before playoffs start. And I would personally have picked, picked Staub and Gordon as the two center backs and picked two outside backs to flank them because there have been a plethora of outside backs that could fit that. For me, when you mentioned that, I think Nice Wonger and Emily Fox would fit that bill. Would you agree? Yeah, but they play on the both same side. So I think if you're playing both of those, I would do Nice Longer and I would do Ryan Williams. I thought Williams was excellent for oh, North Carolina. Um, but then going forward, I. I don't know. There, there's this is players. the second best 11 This is the second now. best. I, I just think there are snubs, and there's always going to be snubs, but that's why it's the first and second 11, and everybody gets to vote for it. But yeah. I'm just saying those aren't my votes. <laughs> Lisa, what about you? What did you think about the best 11? Anything? Uh, well, I, I would just say that they don't pick these based on, like, okay, left back, left center back, right center. I know Jordan's very organized well, in that we not sense. Do, but, but that's a good question. Why should we not do that? I know, but when you vote for them, it's like the top overall votes. I get it. I get it. I, I think that the, even the way that the league announced these players, the midfielders and forwards were smashed together in the announcement, the written out words of this announcement. Um, this best 11, there are some question marks around it. I think Jane Campbell, we all talked about how yeah. solid she yes. is there. I would throw um, Casey Kruger across that back line as well. I think she's Oof. a player that did a good job in there. Um, I, I don't know. Chicago, I think, thanks you for that. Ex exactly. I mean, <laughs> overall, the team didn't play well at all, but I look at the individual performances. Mm -hmm. I think Danielle Colaprico had a good season with San Diego Wave, and she's not slotted in there in either of the best 11s. I Messiah Bright. <clears throat> Yeah, I was going to say Adriana. Yeah, there's a, a lot shot. of question marks here. Yes, there's plenty that we can talk about. Um, we'll react to that a little bit more later because you mentioned someone that we're going to talk about on that San Diego wave. They are now out. We have to cover those. We're going to talk more about the WSL and Emma Hayes uh, and how her play relates to the U.S. Women's National Team when we come back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Attacking Third. It is now time to welcome in our fifth member, as always, CBS Sports journalist Sandra Herrera, who I imagine is a very happy camper after getting her <laughs> dream NWSL final. Yes, Sandra. Sandra. Well done. You're the champion. <laughs> Let's right. go. Let's go. We'll get straight into that NWSL final that you got, that you predicted and wanted. But first, let's cover the big news that Emma Hayes is reportedly going to be the U.S. Women's National Team head coach. And your opinions on this? You know, my opinions are that it's a great hire. It's a good move. I think this is the type of hire that 
a lot of us in our discussions on A3 were kind of hopeful for, maybe anticipating. We wanted to see this federation cast a wide net to be able to land a, a big candidate. And I think there's probably no other big candidate that you can get in Emma Hayes to, to try to connect the dots and, and bring her over to from Europe to the United States. I know in the shortlist that we discussed that we thought maybe it would lean towards Harvey in light of some things that we heard around Tony Gustafson, maybe not being willing to, 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 to make the move over to the States, the accessibility angle there for how they're going to you know, connect and, and be with the team. And I think that is right now the most curious angle about this. When when the news does get finalized, when those detail when all those contract details get ironed out, what is that gonna look like for Emma Hayes in that first part of her joining the US women's national team? Chelsea announcing that she's gonna stay with the club till May. And what is that gonna look like from this December window till then and the short build up to the Olympics? All right, Sandra, let's talk about it. That is an incredibly short runway for Emma Hayes to prepare a United States team that has fallen off the top of the mountain into the valley. And now there is an Olympics coming up where the expectations are just as high as ever for this United States team to bounce back after their failure at the World Cup. What does Emma Hayes have to do between now and then with what little time she's given to prepare this? And, and does she have enough time to do it? I think maybe that's going to be part of those next steps that we're going to eventually hear about from Hayes and U.S. soccer. What does that look like? What is that? What does that timeline actually look like? What is the plan in place for this team as they go up against that? And maybe that's a little bit of the concession that the U.S. Soccer Federation makes in terms of wanting to go out there and land a big candidate. They were coming up against that clock. Like, who's going to be available at this point as more coaches get settled in to not only their club seasons or possible um, national team programs who are also building up to the same Olympics that you want to build up to? So I think maybe in order to really land that type of big name candidate got to make some concessions sometimes and maybe that's a, what a little bit of this is maybe it's about uh, making the right hire not just for these olympics coming up but possibly the foreseeable future they're going to want to get somebody in here who's yes can be a great tactical mind can go ahead and be a great communicator but the scouting and development angles are really important for this team as well moving forward i think we talked a lot about that as well on a3 during that World Cup, especially how things felt a little stale at times. And I think when you have someone who can come in and be that sort of tactical mind, good communicator, and also have an eye for scouting and development to make sure that you're bringing in and rotating players constantly in, that's Emma Hayes for you. All right, Sandra, let's pivot to, <laughs> N <laughs> to NWSL semifinals happening over the weekend just last night. And the top two teams, after not playing for three weeks, both get knocked out in the game over the weekend. And that has not just happened this year. There's only been one team in the last three years who have been a top two team who have won that game after a bye week. Is this something that NWSL need to look at? Because it doesn't really feel like an advantage if you're not able to utilize it to the best of your ability. 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. I, I'm with you. I, I think ever since the expansion of the playoffs, which was three years ago in 2021, maybe you're looking to see how that looks for the league moving forward. I don't anticipate they're going to go backwards in any capacity. Uh, I like the 16 format. I'm sure the league does as well. I'm sure if you ask the number four and the number six teams in Rain and Gotham, maybe they're fans of that as well at this point. But it's something to note for sure. It's not just about having this long layoff, but there's also of international break in the middle of it that often kind of ties into the playoffs. We've seen it before in, in the past. We saw it in last year's final or excuse me, uh, semifinals as well that you have players that go off on international duty and juggle those two dual roles and see them come back and, and get back into the mix of things. And and maybe the counter argument is, is going to be, well, you know, Portland was able to lift that trophy last year, you know, despite it all. So there's a little bit of back and forth. I'm sure that's going to be up for debate whether or not it's a, uh, it's something that works for a team or it is actually an advantage. I think maybe we needed just a little bit more data. Now, Sandra, you know, I have to focus on my baddies. Baddies, Jenny. <laughs> like, bad. Fair, got it, got it. <laughs> and something we were a little concerned about going into this match, well, I was personally, was the transitions because Portland's attack with Sophia Smith, Crystal Dunn, Sugita, Morgan Weaver was going to be a big threat for Gotham's high line. Who stepped up for Gotham to secure not only a shutout, but the finish in the end? I thought Jenna Neischwanger had a really big game, but I don't know if we would look at that uh, back in some of the highlights and, and running back some of the tape in my mind right now that that's something that I would say is a, de a defensive clinic. I think it was a real team effort. Obviously, Manny Hot's going to get a lot of love in terms of coming up big in some of those um, breakaway moments against Portland. Uh, the iconic footage of her saying please, whispering please late into the rainy night, hopeful that there wouldn't be a call that goes against them. But obviously, she stepped up big in the goalkeeper position. But I think that what has been what's most admirable about this Gotham team. It's really been this collective effort to make sure that they're all on the same page defensively. Getting your attacking players and, and you know, whether it's Lynn Williams or Yasmin Ryan, even in Esther Gonzalez being lower at times, to kind of commit to this sort of defensive press, it, it takes all 11 players. It takes everyone on the bench to kind of buy into that a little bit. And we've seen them do that. I, I love the way they, they play a bit um, for more to kind of control the territory. We, we saw photos of them playing chess in preparation for, for game planning of this, and that's exactly what it kind of feels like at times when we're watching this team play in the playoffs. Sandra, I want to ask about San Diego and OL Reign because the San Diego side won the Shield. They were on an incredible run, looking like they were going to continue on and host a final at Snapdragon Stadium. Their hopes died last night, thanks to OL Reign and Veronica Latko getting a shot cross goal, whatever it happened, a shross, whatever it may be for Veronica Latko. This OL Reign side, they have now picked up two wins in a playoff, something that this team has struggled to do. How do they keep this momentum going throughout into the final? I think uh, they're going to keep mixing it up. I think that's what I'm most eager to see between these two teams going head to head. What are their coaches going to present? Are we going to still see what we've seen from, from Gotham and uh, what's worked for them through this playoffs? And then Laura Harvey kind of, flexing a little bit her coaching abilities and showing off um, different tactics for, for her team in, in these playoffs. I mean, that's something that we, I think, 
could take away as the biggest point out of this semifinal against the Wave. Uh, they did some things that were a little bit uh, unexpected, maybe from from the Wave. They were anticipating um, the shape to look a certain way, or uh, had sh struggles, kind of playing through some mid blocks that they were being presented by O.L. Reign. And, and I like that. You want to see that your team is capable of, of making those adjustments on the fly through a playoffs, through knockout rounds, saying, hey, I know we did this last week, but here's what we're going to do this week against our opposition. And again, have the buy-in and the ability to go ahead and do that. I think obviously having a, a healthy Rose Lavelle back in the equation helps things out tremendously. And uh, she'll continue to be a key focal point for them moving forward in, in the final. But um, yeah, absolutely at moments and stretches of time in that game where uh, the rain were dedicated to, to their tactics and you saw the way kind of struggle with answers for that. All right, Sandra, we talked about the semifinals. Let's go ahead and look towards the future now. Uh, why was this your dream final? Talk to me like I'm five years old and who's on each side here that is making the headlines? I can't talk to you like you're five years old because you're not going to know all of the, the hits and the bangers from Y2K and all of the new millennium <laughs> soundtrack. Like, oh, I, I can't talk to you like you're five years me, old. Speak you to know, me. Jordan, knows, Jordan knows what, what, what I'm on right here. Oh, but yeah. look, all right, who the, are the big a, names coming into these two games as potential last time they're seeing each other? Why is this so exciting? No, I hear you, though. I, this this was my, my dream final ranking, right? I, it was fun to sort of have that in light of maybe the other predictions that we make. It's like, here's the, here's the, the realist in me. Here's what I think is going to happen. And I really did think it could have came down to a number one versus a number two, right? A shield winner versus the runners up and the standings on the table. But it didn't come down to that. This is NWSL. We all should have known better. It's coming down <laughs> to the number four seed and the number six seed. And it's coming down to a final farewell to really two legends of the game in Megan Rapino for O.L. Reign and Allie Krieger for Gotham FC. And I don't think you could have maybe written this sort of script any better for neutral fans of the game. You know, I think you're looking at two players who have been synonymous with that United States women's national team. These are two players that went to three World Cup finals together and walked away with two World Cup champions. That's going to be unreal now you know, with the landscape in front of us of, of international women's soccer. So the fact that they have reached um, really high stakes games together and now they're going to go head to head against each other in another one, I think is an exciting storyline for neutrals to follow. And it's just going to be really significant for these two players who have not only been so iconic for the, na the international level, but also the club level as well. We have talked a lot about how women's professional soccer has at times had to struggle and gain its footing and its place within the United States soccer landscape. And that hasn't been easy. There's been multiple iterations of club soccer, but these two are players who had to navigate careers between Europe and the States early on as the NWSL was getting founded, locked in and committed to their teams as the NWSL got off of the ground. And now here they are getting a chance to lift one more piece of hardware. And it's a beautiful thing that it's going to possibly be an NWSL trophy. Oh, I completely agree that it is a beautiful thing, Sandra. Thank you for explaining that to us. Like, the, the beautiful way that we could have. Thank you. I always appreciate you joining us with your insight. Happy to be here, y'all. Take care. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to recap all of the action from this weekend's NWSL semifinals. And be sure to keep it right here on Attacking Third, brought to you by the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card. Reward your passions and earn points when you stay close to the action. Underway in the NWSL playoffs. Ali
Krieger, hoping this will not be her final professional match. No goals, and we can guarantee you drama to come. To Stengel. Stengel with a strike! And Stengel has broken the deadlock in extra time! Let's go in line. Black cross off the post and in! All Rain are going to the final against Gotham next Saturday. San Diego's season is over. The NWSL final is set. Gotham FC and OL Reign will play each other in San Diego next Saturday, and the NWSL will crown a first-time champion. Guys, we need to talk about this, okay? Because these pi these highlights, these matches were... <laughs> 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 but we have winners, and we're going into the yeah. final. You didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> no. It's so accurate. I think that's why it's so funny, because, no, I mean, like, a big highlights for me was Sophia Smith. Starting, mm -hmm. playing significant minutes. That's our first start since August. We got to see Christy Mewis for Gotham play 40 minutes. That was her first time since June getting out there. Shelby Hogan, goalkeeper for Portland Thorns. She Didn't got see that start. coming. Didn't see that one coming yeah. at all. That was just six league appearances before she starts in a semifinal for Portland Thorns in goal. I mean, those were big highlights for me that these players got big-time minutes in playoff games. Big highlight for me was that somebody shot the ball at the goal <laughs> because it took a long time. Both the XGs in both of these games were really <laughs> low and yeah. it took a while for either any of these teams to find any kind of rhythm granted that happens in big games there's a lot of pressure you do not want to be the player to make the mistakes and you could see that throughout both of these games how you could feel how tense it was that mm -hmm. the, the, these teams were kind of playing on eggshells and I feel like it's a little bit of uh, a travesty that we didn't get to see the best of these yeah. teams yeah. But we did get winners, which yeah. is exciting. <laughs> the, well, way that you built that up, the way that you built that up was the same way I just built that up. Like, yeah, it was great, but it was, you know, we, we got winners. Uh, Darian, take us through what happened in the action because your baddies got the win here. They did. I would absolutely love to. All the action came really late in the game. Um, so here we're going to start with these highlights. Late in the game, 85th minute, ball goes through to Olivia Moultrie and Mandy Hot takes her down in the box. Mm. If you're watching this game, you heard the Portland crowd screaming. It was so loud. Luckily, it was offsides for Gotham and here's Sophia Smith cuts the ball square across the goal to Morgan Weaver who gets the ball caught underneath her feet and she's not able to get enough power on this shot. I know she wants this one back. It was probably their best opportunity. And then we have Katie Stengel who came in and said, you know what, I'll shoot my shot. Ooh. Banger in the upper left corner gives the baddies the win. So late in the game, they, both teams only had three shots on goal. It's so Three good. The shot is so goal. good. It's beautiful. I know that is such going to be such a great memory for her and this team and taking them to the NWSL finals. The baddies <laughs> made it. We live on. Yeah. Yes. The biggest goal ever in their mm -hmm. history. And, and for it to be so late in the game with a number of substitutions made going into the extra time. I love the shot, of course, but I love Stengel's touches before. I think mm -hmm. that does that goes like unnoticed in some ways that she just brings it once over, sees where the defender is, brings it again, and notices that there's going to be a little bit of a gap there. Um, so kudos to the, the goal on one end, but Mandy Hot, it, it, we saw a play there, yeah. but just moments before that, minutes before that, there was another transition moment, and Gotham did a really good job in general not to allow too many transition moments with mm -hmm. the front line of Portland. But there was a transition moment. Krieger got caught out as a 2v1, and Sophia Smith had a perfect run in behind. The pass was inviting her mm -hmm. in. 
but Mandy Hot did a really good job of knowing the conditions that she could use the wet turf to her advantage to slide a little bit, and she mm -hmm. timed it right and saved this game for the Gotham side. I don't know if we would have coined her as the player to be maybe the most important performance of the night. For sure. I mean, and when you're between the sticks and you come up with big per saves like that when you actually haven't been tested at all yeah. Yeah. throughout the game, I think that's the most crucial part about the Mandy Hot save is that she could have checked out almost. Yeah. I mean, you don't check out in big moments and big games like that, but to stay on top of it is incredibly impressive by her. I want to give a shout-out to Jenna Nightsonger because this mm -hmm. rookie outside back defender had – three shots on goal, or three shots, one of them on target, and considering there was very few shots in this game, she led <laughs> Gotham yeah. with her shots and her shots on target. <laughs> that is insane, coming from a left-back position. She dominated the position, running down the flank, create, taking the space in front of her, welcoming the ball to her feet, taking on a bigger role than just being a left-back defender in this game, and I was impressed with her. Yeah, I think you guys have continually been impressed by Jenna oh, uh, yeah. this whole season, but on the other side, I think Bruninha on the right side has also did a really good job defensively. I know we kind of praise her for atta her attacking end, but I thought her defensively uh, shutting down the attacking aspects that Portland have was really impressive, but I know that you have some players on your baddies that you thought were really crucial to this win. Yes, I know I always talk about the attackers. I'm going to switch <gasps> over. Oh, you Note do. it, people. Note it. Note it. <laughs> Allie Krieger and Mae Tani were on fire. You know, we were really critical about the transitional moments that we were worried Portland was going to take advantage of, and that's how Gotham could have lost this game. But especially with Sophia Smith being back, but Maytani and Ali Krieger were all over her. Such a frustrating game as a forward when you're not able to get much on the ball. You're constantly crowded by three, four people just coming to shut you down. You can hardly turn. And Sophia did well. Sometimes she got out of it, but Maytani and Krieger did better. I thought that they were so instrumental in building up their play, keeping the possession. Mm -hmm just shutting down what the threat of Portland was, which was their attack. And there really wasn't many opportunities. I know we talked about not a lot yeah. of shots in this game. Mm -hmm. I think a huge credit of that is to those two. Five pass attempts for Sophia Smith in the first half. She did not get the ball at all. She had mm -hmm. 15 touches in the mm -hmm. first half. I think it ended at about 36 touches. So she was not getting the ball and getting it as often as she would have liked, especially finally seeing her back in this, yeah. this starting position. What I was impressed by, and you were actually nervous about it, Darian, is the midfield of Portland and how good their midfield can be. I thought Gotham's pressure, I thought Neely Martin had a yeah, good she game. Was great. She was all over the place. She teetered on that edge of uh, maybe getting a second yellow in moments, but I, I thought she did a really good job of closing space, of not allowing their midfield to be effective. Didn't It didn't help that Crystal Dunn was playing wide and mm -hmm. not centrally at the start of this game. Um, but I will say what surprised me is that pressure made Sam Coffey be less effective. 65% yeah. passing percentage for Sam Coffey. That is unheard of that is for what low. she can That's normally do low. for Portland. Yeah, I, you mentioned the back line for Gotham. Three of them at one point sitting on yellow cards. Yep. Anyone else get a little nervous? <laughs> yeah, I did. Tiptoe, tiptoe. <laughs> and, and they still were able to keep their calmness and their composure and, and see out this game because not only they got a double yellow, I think that would have really opened up the gaps for yeah. Sophia Smith, for Portland Thorns to break through there. But uh, then you're looking at a final without one of your – starting mm -hmm. backline players. I mean, that is dangerous. <clears throat> Luckily, that's not the case because they teetered on that safely. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the other semifinal, San Diego Wave against O.L. Reign. Lisa, what did you first think about this one? 
I mean, let's head out to Snapdragon Stadium and watch this landing kick at the same time, <laughs> ladies. This is impressive to start it. Let's head over to the 28th minute. Jess Fishlock and Megan Rapino teaming up for a little give and go. This is one of the best opportunities that OL Reign had in the first half because they dominated possession and had most of the ball throughout the first 45 minutes. In the opening two minutes of the second half, Rose Lavelle lays it off to Veronica Latsko, who sends it into the box. There was no one back post, but there didn't need to be. Her cross, which Latsko did admit it was a cross, ends up in the back of the net. For Veronica Latsko, that is her second game-winning goal in the span of two games. O.L. Reign advancing to their third NWSL championship. Um, they have never won it. And O.L. Reign remains undefeated against San Diego across all Ooh. competitions. Yeah. That is tough. They've got their number. Yep, they did not know how to defeat them. They continue with that record. Darian, what stood out to you in this one? I think the way that Rain adjusted to play against uh, San Diego, San Diego wasn't able to get the ball up the field at all. They lacked creativity, possession higher up the pitch, and I think that's credit to Rain's pressure and how they were able to maintain possession up higher in the pitch. And Jordan, I know that you you loved this image of these two teams, and it just shows how stuck um, San Diego was in the back and how advanced Rain was able to push up. Alex Morgan is standing up there by herself. Mm -hmm. She wasn't that effective in the match. Um, but rain's purple and the yeah. wave are the, the dark blue colors. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. But it just shows that rain was able to have so much possession, move up the pitch. I mean, there's five to the four back line against San Diego. Yeah. So what were they going to do? Building out wasn't helping them. We talked about Abby Dahlkamper's long ball. That wasn't that effective because the center back stayed so deep and – they just weren't able to make yeah. anything of it, but that's all a credit to Rain. It was. I, I think Laura Harvey has been known for her defensive prowess, how mm -hmm. she sets up her team. She wants to create goals from defensive turnovers. Mm -hmm. That's all. That that is what this team prides themselves on. And when they sat in that four-four-two block, which quickly morphs into a four-two-four with high pressure on the back line, it was devastating for San Diego. And yeah. I was staring at my TV. I wasn't staring. I was yelling, saying, "Can one of the center backs?" progress the ball past that mm -hmm. first yeah. defender. It was as it if looked they just wide open. went back and forth, back and forth without ever saying, I'm going to beat you with my first touch, eliminate you, and then see how the dominoes fall and make the right decision. I think decision-making lacked for San Diego. I don't know if it was what I just talked to Sandra about, mm -hmm. that, that layoff and not being playing elite competition and getting a little bit out of rhythm. But for this San Diego team, it did not look like the San Diego team we are used to. And, and that, was, that was disappointing because I think this could have been a little bit more open of a game, mm -hmm. yeah. but also more exciting of a game if we would have seen Jaden Shaw put, put in a show, if we would have seen maybe a little bit more from Kira Carusa coming earlier in the game. I know she was dealing with international duty. I, I think that's a big factor of yeah, it. I mean, subs. not only having a yeah. bye week for both Portland and San Diego, but then having an international break where big stars not only played significant minutes over the international break with Olympic qualifiers, but they had to travel really far. Mm -hmm. So they didn't get significant minutes in this semifinal match when both Portland and San Diego needed their yeah. stars. No, that's one line. thing that I, I spoke did. to some PR people. Portland was like, well, with the international break, we can't start some players. I think Hina Sagita yeah. was coming back from Japan at the moment. Mm -hmm. Quika um, as so well, across yeah. the back line. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, one of the things that we mentioned there is O.L. Rain having San Diego Waves number. And you mentioned Laura Harvey and the way that she kind of tinkers with that. Uh, this is a quote post-match. She said, we just try and do something different against them each time. When we were here before, we really went after them with a high press. Tonight, we were a little bit more of a mid-block, but we knew times when we would go. It means that the front five have to work really hard, but they did. Yeah. They're unbelievable. That's exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Can we say one of those players that did a really good job, Rose Lavelle. Yeah, this San Diego is. team has yeah. not faced Rose Lavelle and yeah. not a Rose Lavelle player on the dribble in such difficult moments. I think we got to coin it the Rose roll. When she dribbles oh. and she does this roll over the top of the ball, she does it so often. But there were two really important weaving runs like this that just open up space for this OL Reign squad. Her ability to get after defenders, to ride through tackles, to hunt the space that is the playmaking space is There's so that important. Roll. I, yeah. I saw the roll. It's the Rose roll, right? Rose she roll. does it all roll. the time, and it's so hard because you don't know where her next touch is going to come. Is it going to cut back? Is she going to continue the progression? Rose Lavelle well, back. Yeah, had yeah. The pa she had the pass for the goal. Yes, but that yeah. takes us to Veronica Latsko scoring three times in the last three games. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, huge for Veronica Latsko. It's a player that has stepped up in big moments when this team needs her, and the humility of her to say, "Yeah, you know that was a cross." Um, <laughs> it's goal. It, it works. It doesn't matter because the way that the balls come into the box. I mean, defensive efforts here. Um, uh, throughout this game, I mean, we're taking a look back at Veronica Latsko and some of her incredible goals. But All Rose, game winners, too. Rose Lavelle, defensively, also did such a good job throughout yeah. this game to sit in the pockets, to close off passing lanes, to force pressure to the side to organize this O.L. Reign defensive shape. It, it was impressive from them. Yeah. Well, with those results, the final is Gotham FC against O.L. Reign on November 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's going to be played in San Diego. We have more attacking third for you. Don't go anywhere. Be sure to tune in to our NWSL Finals coverage on Saturday. We'll have extended pre- and post-match coverage starting at 6 p.m. Eastern on the Golazo Network. Darian, Jordan, you guys are going to be out in San Diego for that final, huh? Woo! The Grizzlies are in we San Diego are on the ground. Left side. <laughs> Strong side. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. I'm going to be on the desk with a couple of people. I don't Ew. know if I can say who it is yet. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, great. So find them in San Diego. Don't stalk them. Please don't do that. Um, but thank you guys so much for joining us today on Attacking Third. This episode was brought to you by the Marriott Bonvoy Boundless Card. Reward your passion and earn points when you stay close to the action. We'll be back on Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time.